0: This show is brought to you by EarPeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up! Hey
1: there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saint, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle,
0: and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windor from Monster Magnet, and
2: you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andrea Peter from Sepultura and De La Tierra,
1: and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax
0: and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from
2: Filter and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hello everybody, this is Max Cavalera Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attacks. Stay metal. This is Bram Bjork, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening.
1: Hey, this is Carla Coma from Canteria and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
2: Welcome, one and all, to episode 140 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and we are back after a few weeks off. A few weeks of just utter shite, (laughs) for lack of a better term, man. Uh, Last two weeks have been very interesting. Everything from, well, as you can notice in my voice, a little bit of uh, still being hampered by a cold, which is been pestering me for a few weeks, being laid up in bed for a few days with a ridiculous uh, flu and a fever and and all this other nastiness, and just ongoing health issues that uh, if you followed my history or followed when, when I was on Talking Metal, Mark used to bring this up all the time, just some revisited health issues, which uh, hopefully will be Gone soon enough. We shall see. And um, outside of all of that crap, um, server shit as usual, stuff with the websites. And um, if you guys are coming here for Mars Attacks, obviously this is Mars Attacks Podcast, episode 140. Um,
3: and you aren't aware
2: of the other shows that I do or, or any of the other things that I do, I always. Try to hype my, stu- my stuff up, outside of myself up. Um, uh, just, everything is hosted on one server. Uh, Mars Attacks, Ear Peeler, and Galaxy of Geeks. Why? Economic reasons. And as much as these people you know, on, uh, from various server companies want me to, oh, just get a dedicated server, sure. Let me just pay you 150 bucks a month that I don't have. So, um, there's a Patreon coming soon to try to fund that, uh, to try to make things run a lot smoother and to have a developer of sorts that can work with me all the time to make sure that, you know, I'm not running into issues constantly, which I am. Uh, I'm doing what I can and the sites keep going down, mainly ear peeler drags everything else down because it's driving a lot of memory and a lot of different things and shit it's close to 20,000 posts in a little over a year so that'll only go to more and it'll mean that we'll need more you know horsepower per se and we'll you know unfortunately um I haven't made any type of money on the site I'd I'd love to I'd love to generate revenue. Uh, I've had all types of ads up there. I've had to take ads down, again, because of performance issues, and maybe we'll go, uh, again, not maybe, we will. I'm waiting for some designs to come back uh, for Patreon, basically. And we'll be doing special shirts and and different things, and, and we might even do some type of like VIP podcast. We'll see. I'm mulling this over with uh with a few people that, you know, may help out from time to time and and we'll see, you know. I uh, I'm not trying to, you know, no delusions of grandeur on my behalf. I'm not trying to make a million bucks off of anything. But um, you know, we'll we'll see how it all works out. We'll stay tuned and and you'll hear about that soon. But anyway, we were going through DDoS attacks. Um, Now it's just configuration issues and being in touch with tech support every so many days, just a lot of behind-the-scenes shit. And and with these health issues, I can't, you know, sit in front of a screen every single day, you know, 14, 16, 18, 20 hours like I was doing a few months ago. Um, One is sort of (laughs) intertwined with the other, so uh i'm I'm doing my eight to ten hours here and trying to do the best that I can so so yeah, not looking for pity from anybody, just letting you guys know what's what is going on uh what's going on yeah, there you go, attitude Marvin gay um so anyway, so yeah, interesting two weeks uh sickness health server issues. And Return to Roots. Return to Roots, which had uh, Chrisix from Spain opening up. Uh, and you know, this is sort of a. I may get myself into trouble with this. And, you know, a lot of times, not a lot of times, the, the most harm you can do to a band is not talk about them at all. So even if I say something bad here, it's still shedding some light on them. So. Here's the thing. A lot of people think that just because Google Translate is available, or other Translate programs, that that is all you need to get your message across when trying to, you know, (laughs) shill your products, namely your albums, your tours, in the UK, in the US, in Australia. There are bands that do a great job. They're on good labels, they have good management, and they're able to do a good job with, you know, publicizing things in English. Sometimes members are are good enough at it that they can do it themselves. But most times, they are not. And that is the case with this band. So, a few years back, I reached out to them because there were some glaring fucking issues with what they were posting in English both on social media and on their website. And I and I reached out to them and I said, "Look, what you're basically posting on your site is just going to get people to laugh at you and not take you seriously. And I'm not talking about, you know, scatterbrain funny or anthrax Bermuda shorts funny. I'm talking about people just panning you and not giving you the time of fucking day because your shit isn't up to snuff with other people's, (laughs) you know, publicity. And I was told at the time, it was so ridiculous. Oh, no, 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 no. Our manager's girlfriend knows English very well. She goes to London all the time. And I think we're doing okay. And I wrote the guy back. I said, dude, one thing is going the fucking Camden Market. And another thing is actually getting your shit across to a metal or hard rock audience that isn't going to pan you the first three seconds into reading your shit. Oh no, I think we're doing fine. Thanks. And I wrote them, you know, about a year later because they released another album and the shit was just fucking horrid. And I told them, I said, dude, you know, I just want to help you guys, you know. And and what I offered to do, I said, look, I'll translate your bio for you. I said, just pay me 10 fucking euros, which is what I'm asking other people for to translate songs or, or different things. Crickets is what I got back they put out some other press releases further on, and then at this point, I was just annoyed, and it was just, you know what? Fucking dog pile on the rabbit. So I wrote them a message and said, look, you guys don't want to pay attention to me, but look, this, 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 and this makes you look fucking stupid. So, um, I was, you know, I was being a dick. I initially didn't want to be a dick, and it wasn't a thing with me saying, oh, well, I'm going to pander my goods off to them. No, fucking 10 bucks isn't shit to get a bio translated. Give me a break, you know. They want to go to a professional place or whatever. They're going to charge them like 300 bucks to do the same fucking job. Give me a break. So it is just a slothish nature and the, oh, so-and-so knows enough English. Sure, let's just put our eggs in this basket. So, instead of, hmm, let's, yeah, let let, instead of purchasing a, you know, a Formula One car for a race, my friend says his fucking horse and buggy will do the trick. Yeah, that's interesting. Sure, it'll get you from point A to point B, but it'll make you look like a fucking jackass. And most people... Won't give a fuck. That's the bottom line. So anyway, I got to see them perform for the first time. Um, They were all right. You know, hey, um, listen, listen. Um, I had a conversation years ago with someone, and I'm not going to do the Eddie Trunk name dropping here, but it was someone very important from the thrash metal scene, which outside of informing me that everyone that was on their bill basically paid to play uh, or their label paid for them to play on this tour, he basically said that what was lacking in today's thrash bands was originality. And they basically, he basically said, look, Phil and Mustaine have pretty much done everything. So even if you're going to you know regurgitate what they're doing give me something that i can grab onto something that is interesting say i don't know some like killer over the top soloing or some like riffs that really grab you or some you know some some lyrics that mean something or a chorus that really grabs you and fucking permeates your brain and sticks there Sticks in there for a few days. And that's what he was talking about. And the thing with this band, you know, they're great. They're great musicians. Um, They're an okay band live. But I I say this to a lot of different people, you know, when they, oh, you got to check this band out because they sound like so-and-so. And And you turn it on and it's just a watered-down version of so-and-so. So a lot of times it's just, you know, two, three songs in, I want to grab (laughs) spreading the disease or fucking among the living or whatever, or, or, you know, um, Testament's latest album, you know, things of that nature. I understand. I've been in tribute bands. I've recorded music. None of my shit is original either. And man, I've never toured, I've never played anything, you know, more than for probably, I don't know, 100-something people, 200 people. Um, Can I put myself in the same boat? No. But I also don't go around thinking that my shit doesn't stink or thinking, ah, I can compare myself to this other national act because we also do thrash. No, you can't. Because it was funny, the comment that was readily heard was uh, by people that were being introduced to the band, they're okay, but I think there's another band out there uh, that does a much better job at doing their brand of thrash. So, um, (laughs) wink, wink if you guys have listened to the show in the past you know who i'm talking about again don't want to name drop but um yeah so in any event it was they were good they were okay i wish it was better but it is what it is um on to the return to roots part with max and igor cavallera it was To me, it was great. Okay, I know a lot of people say, oh, Max's voice is shot. Blah, 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 blah. When was the last fucking time you went to a Soulfly or Sepultura show and were expecting to find fucking Michael Bublé or fucking Luciano Pavarotti up on stage? Give me a fucking break. Max is what he is. It's part of the whole enchantment of seeing, you know, Max Cavalier alive. He is what he is, and he's fucking, I don't know, probably late 40s, early 50s, probably. Uh, Probably late 40s, given the fact that he's probably a few years younger than the Anthrax guys, and the Anthrax guys are all around 50. Um, But yeah, man, for me, I was a huge fan of Roots when it came out, and that happened due to Jason Newstead in a in a Kerrang! magazine. What an asshole. I have my fucking phone on. Um, it was a Kerrang! magazine, I believe it was, or it was a Metal Hammer maybe, that I remember picking up in the old Virgin Megastore in Times Square, New York. And they were asking them, and, and I believe Load had just come out. They were asking them, and actually that same day I got, I picked up, Degeneration is no lunch, and I got a really cool t shirt that I wore for the longest time as a result. Anyway, so they were asking the different band members who they were listening to, and Jason Newstead said Roots by Sepultura and he explained why and it was the whole tribal thing and this, that, and the other thing. So I was like, Wow, you know that that sounds interesting. So I need to check this out. And I bought it on I bought it on cassette. And I, I, I'm trying to think. I believe I bought it on cassette for economic reasons and because at the time I didn't have a like portable CD player in the car. I have since bought that on CD twice, <laughs> standard edition. And then I got a um, way back when they reissued it with a second CD because it was such a popular album. That may have been an import as well i I don't remember um i believe i've since sold that as well when i moved because i knew i could get some decent coin off of it and, and i needed it at the time um one of those things that you kick yourself about years later but anyway so yeah huge fan of that album and that was my gateway to sepultura And my gateway to Igor Cavalier is playing. That was my first time seeing Igor live. And I mentioned this to a friend who said, Ha ha, you went to go see the fake band. I was like, dude, seeing Igor play those tracks live just gave me fucking goosebumps. And here I was, you know, a day after not being able to get out of bed, uh, really fucked up with a cold, getting over a fever and a flu, and I was enjoying the ever-living shit out of seeing them. Uh, So, you know, sometimes people are just too hypercritical, and maybe I'm just way too accepting, Uh, but I was like a kid, seeing him play, being a drummer, seeing Igor Cavalera play, and playing all that stuff that for years I've loved listening to, was just fucking awesome, uh, in my opinion. So uh, I know that they went around the states and did um, did the return of the roots thing. I don't know if they'll uh, up to when they'll be doing it. I think they have dates up until the end of the year, and I guess we'll see from there. And man, seeing Mark Rizzo live, uh, Mark Rizzo is is a fucking monster. Um, I love Andreas Kisser. Obviously, we had him on the show. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from Andreas, but fucking Mark, in my opinion, is what revitalized Soulfly and revitalized Max. Um, And Max said something similar when I interviewed him as well. So uh, check that out. (laughs) You'll hear him say it. Say how there's a special bond between him and Mark, and it actually reminds him of the, the bond that him and Andreas had way back when. So... There you go. So after a week goes by and actually right after buying those tickets, somehow I found out that the WWE was coming to Bilbao, uh, which is where I saw Return to Roots as well. And I told my wife, I said I want to go to this and I, you know, I want to take the kids and everything else. I haven't seen a WWE live event in 15 years, I figured it probably wasn't until, you know, or the last time I should say was 2001. The whole invasion angle took place. I was at the SmackDown where Booker T debuted in Madison Square Garden. So that was my very last WWE event. So it was cool to check that out. Uh We were in the very last row, Nosebleed Seats, Bob Euchre Seats. And I must be in the front row, Um, yeah, but it was still fun, Uh, it was uh, cool to see my kids look at me and sort of be like, what the fuck is he doing, type of a deal, so seeing me boo and cheer and just do different things and antagonize people and whatnot, but uh, it was fun, a lot of fun, Uh, been a huge wrestling fan over the years. Uh, Wanted to start a wrestling podcast up and have, in different spurts, done different things over the years. But, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, If that happens, it's far off in the future. But uh, it was great fun. They come to Spain. They don't come as often as they used to because of different tax purposes where... Uh, they get zapped pretty well for coming here. So usually it's just one date. This year they went back to doing three three dates. There's about 7,000 people in the arena, in the Bilbao Exped- Expo Center or Expedition Center or whatever the hell you call it, uh, the Beck. Uh, that's also a place where Iron Maiden did their sort of warm-up shows before their last two tours because you can actually section that off Again, it was like 7,000 people was the official number. Maiden has played there to eight and change, close to nine, and it was sold out. Uh, that arena can open up. Like they've had um, the Lakers play their exhibition games and, and whatnot, and A C D dcs played there, and they filled, I think it's 26,000. Is the max capacity, and that's that's the biggest arena, indoor arena in all of Spain. Um, but they section it off into different into different things. So uh, so yeah, it, it was cool. So anyway, um, going with the return to roots type deal, man. I hadn't listened to the Sepultura album Roots in such a long time. And I forgot how much I really enjoyed the album. I mean, and and listen, I'm a guy that got into the band late. And I like a lot of the stuff that Derek Green has done with the band. I'm not one of those guys, hey man, it's Max or nothing. I, you know, I, I appreciate a lot of the stuff that they've done without Max. And I think it's allowed someone like Andreas to grow. But, um... Yeah, I want to get into something off of uh, Roots. Obviously, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sifting through my MP3s here. You know, you'd think I'd be prepared, but I mean, I, I don't want to play something I've played uh, a ton of times. I mean, uh, the my favorite track. All right, it seems as if I've never used this track on a show before, so. It's what I'm going to go with. My favorite track off of this album is Born Stubborn. So that's that's what I'm going to go with. This is Born Stubborn by Sepultura coming off of Roots. <laughs> A little Born Stubborn by Sepultura coming off of the Roots album. Today's guest is Carly Coma from the band Canderia. And you'll hear me talk about this during the, the actual interview. Canderia is a band that I've always known about due to the area where I grew up in northern New Jersey. Thanks to WSOU... Kandiria has always received a ridiculous amount of props. I mean, if if you go back years, before anyone knew who Dillinger Escape Plan was, before anyone knew who, God forbid, was Kandiria, um, <laughs> E-Town Concrete, you know, these are bands that are super huge. I mean, some of them are bigger than others worldwide, but they're ridiculous. Ridiculously huge in the New York metropolitan area. Why? Because of WSOU. That's the fact of the matter. So you've always heard different things about uh, Candyria on the station and and other bands. So they've, they've always, you know, SOU has always been great to promote local acts before anyone else knew about them. And they just recently won a Marconi award, and it's about time i mean they they for a lot of people have broken bands i mean for me fear factory corn um sepultura uh i can I can go back before that, and you know bands like uh like docking bands like, you know, I sort of knew them or knew of their videos or whatnot, but this station was what I listened to, you know, as a teenager, um, Racer X's Heart of a Lion, their, their Judas Priest, um, cover, and I remember where I was in North Jersey, in and the town is called Dover, um, we couldn't get SOU perfect. Like there was another station that was out of Pennsylvania that bled into the frequency. So you really had to fuck around with your, you know, with your stereo to be able to, um, to tune it in. And in the car was the same deal. So if you were driving east, you could pick it up you were going west you would lose it little by little it really sucked because i i would have to drive west to work every day and i wouldn't be able to hear it so so yeah so sou mad props um, a station that has helped you know definitely fuel my love of hard rock metal Punk, because, you know, listen to, uh, you know, things like Rancid and things like that in that station. KMFDM, which I was listening to the other day. You know, I, my love for them came from SOU. Um, the New Industrial Revolution. I mean, I could go on and on with just different bands that, you know, they helped, they helped, you know, uh, inject into my life, basically. So, Candy is one of them. So it was awesome to talk to you, Carly. Um, we get into some things that surround the whole Colin Coperniak thing. Um, I mean, I don't like getting political on the show, although I have certain you know, ideologies and points of views. But, you know, I, I didn't want to get that far into it. And, and as I'm asking the question, you know, I try to make it almost as PC as as possible, and we address, you know, the various shootings and whatnot and and things of that nature, and I think it'll surprise, it'll surprise some people what he has to say, and I don't think it'll surprise others, um, because I, I really think Carly is a very down-to-earth guy, he's a realist, and, and yeah, I, I mean... Just listen to the interview. Hope you guys like it. Uh, we're going to play a song that I've always loved, man. This song has been something that I've frequently played personally in the past. And the name of the track is Down by Candaria. And we're going to get into this track. And remember, support the bands that you love. We'll have links to not only the the new Candaria album, While They Were Sleeping but also to uh, Sepultura's Roots. And well, actually I'll throw in the Chrisix album in there as well, since we I can do four recommendations. So we'll do the two Candiri albums, Sepultura and Chrisix. So remember, support the bands that you love. If you like anything that you hear on the show, whether it's an interview, whether it's, you know, any of the music that we include in the show, support the bands, use our Amazon links. That helps us out as well. And go and and pick their their album up so enough blabbing here's here's the track down by Candarian we'll jump into the interview with Carly right after that <laughs>
3: It while they were sleeping, as a return for Candyria. But in all reality, you guys have been going one way or another since the '90s.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Now, um, I guess what what, what they mean by that is just like uh, the long hiatus in regards to being a functioning band. You know, I think uh, the last time we were a functioning band was for the "What Doesn't Kill You" record. Yeah, you know, we uh, we toured the states, did some stuff overseas. Uh, but pretty much after that, we put out another record, but didn't really support it um, the the way we should have. You know, we had issues with the label, and even stuff with the band. You know, we had to just we had to sit back and see if we even really wanted to do this. And uh, so we just decided to take some time apart. And um, but now with, with with the new record, while they were sleeping, yes, now we're a full functioning band with two two new members.
3: Okay. And obviously as you mentioned there were different things internally with the band. Mm-hmm. What was sort of the catalyst to begin to put everything together again last year?
1: Oh, uh, everyone just kind of started getting like the itch again, so to speak. I know um uh John Mike and Kenny were continuing to write. I was I I wasn't there. You know what i mean in terms of in regards to my heart being in it like i just it just wasn't there and if my heart's not in something like I, I get i have a hard time doing it just for the sake of doing it um but then uh they approached me again um because john would always ask me like once or twice a year for years hey do you want to come back and do this and i would just say no i don't want to do it and uh this time around he's like hey um you know, I, I started, uh, you know, I started like, uh, you know, just really just going back to like my metal roots, uh, again. And, and so the time was right to sound, I was listening to something and I'm like, Hey, if you need me to do a song, uh, I'll do a song so I, just to do it. I was not planning on playing shows, putting on a record, just, uh, let me just do a song. So I recorded with Broken Bones. Um, they had the music for that for like a while now, a couple of years. And, um, after we're done recording, I'm like, oh, still got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so so I was like, uh, <laughs> and like the guys were pretty excited about it. And then eventually, um, I know that um, they um, Metal Blade was interested in, um, and and uh, Strong Management was uh, interested. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we started, then the guys approaching. hey, listen, you know, we have uh, the label, uh, Metal Blade's looking to sign us if we want to do a record and Strong Management's looking to manage us. if we we decide to go through with this um and like uh uh, yeah so we said all right you know after after going back and forth uh we said all right let's do it you know so that's where we are now
3: cool and what was it like for you know a label like uh metal blade and uh, a known management company like that to want to work with you guys so many years later
1: Oh, it was me I was actually taken back by I'm like, I go really? <laughs> we haven't been a popular band in years. But like uh but it just but it just um it's one of those things that it allowed me to really take into account um I guess what the band has done over the years and how other people have viewed the band and And how the band has like inspired um the genre uh itself and and one of the good things about taking so much time off from working with cangeria it allowed me to look at the band from the outside in you know when you've been in the band for a while um you know all the ins and outs pros and the cons like all that stuff and Hey, well, this is just what I do, you know. I was always surprised by how excited fans would get, um, like when the, when a record came out or when they would see us live. I'm like, oh, I'm, we're just doing our job, you know. But taking some time apart, it's like I'm like, I'm like, oh, all right, I, I can see it now. It makes me laugh. but yeah. So, so when when I when I heard that they were interested, you know, what? there was definitely some excitement and. Um, and say, hmm, I think, uh, team-wise, this would be the best team that would be um, that that could, that Candiria would be a part of in regards to management and the label. Uh, in the past, we either had one or the other. Um, this time around, um, I feel that all the elements are in place structurally.
3: Gotcha. Okay, so I mean, obviously that also makes a big difference to make you guys you know want to be a part of this if if you're fighting battles the whole time with anything that's involved with you know not only the band but the management or the label as you're mentioning obviously that's definitely going to make you second guess what you guys are doing
1: yeah i actually it's it's been great i brian Slade was awesome uh his team is awesome and uh management has been great as well. We've known those guys for years, right? So it's like, um, so it really wasn't that hard a uh, of a decision, you know. Um, it really wasn't uh, that hard uh, that hard of a decision. Of course, you know, there was some apprehension, like, you know, do I really want to do this? But uh, right. in regards to the people that we're working with, uh, in regards to what they were capable of doing and working, in regards to working with Candaria, I, I knew. Um, for the most part, there there wouldn't be uh, any issues. And like I said, it, it inspired us to, in my opinion, to really push ourselves um, while writing this record.
3: I've talked to a lot of different artists, and they've always mentioned that when they put an album out, it's really a snapshot of what was going on while they were uh, recording or, well, either recording or writing the actual material that, that they were working on. In, in your case, obviously, with previous albums, you guys took that a step further with uh, putting an actual snapshot of, say, the, the uh, infamous car accident that you guys had yeah. on the actual cover as well. Um, I bring this up because while I was reading all the different information Metal Blade had sent regarding the new album, it dawned on me how... You know, the album was going to be a concept album, how you had written it as a concept from beginning to end. So how different was it to write a concept album as opposed to writing how you had written any of the material for Candiria or any of your other projects in the past?
1: Um, It was actually quite freeing. And what I mean by that is it allowed my imagination to go wherever it wanted to go. And and just because it's a concept album... uh, it doesn't mean I wasn't pulling from um, life experiences. Uh, what I wanted to do is, uh, I wanted to pull from the experiences of uh, my friends, um, um, things that things that I was um, that I was seeing on the news, my personal experiences, and um, and I just tied it all together. And you know, uh, I read this book called "A uh, Story" by Robert McKee, and it shows you the fundamentals of writing a screenplay and how to develop characters and stuff like that. One of the things that he said was, you know, you have to write a character from the inside out. So uh, so even though it's a concept record and it's about four main, you know, four, four characters, I was, there are still some life experiences in there. And I wanted to make sure that they were in there um, uh, just so um, people can relate to it. You know, uh, I wrote this, this one song, Forgotten, it's um, track five. Um, I pictured while I was writing, even though it was, a, it was about um, the, the protagonist in the story, I thought about the fan, or the person, whoever who was in a room by himself, going for something. So, um, so it, it was, there's definitely a lot of stuff uh, in there. And, and like I said, you know, I didn't want it to be um, too cerebral, I think that's some of the things a Candir uh, was known for. And even in regards to the writing, it was just very, very cerebral. And I, and I think it's awesome. I think it's great. But um, but I wanted to focus more on the emotional aspect
3: of, uh, of fighting this time around. In that same bio, I was reading that it was a little different for John to sort of hear you pitch the concept to him. But eventually he sort of realized that the direction that you were going in um, was going to turn out to be something that would be really cool. But initially, was there really a a, a big like debate over whether it would be a concept album or not?
1: Well, whenever you try something new, there will be, you know, some apprehension, right? And like, so, so they're definitely, um, Mike, I think Mike got on board pretty quickly with it. You know what I mean? Um, With John, because he would have to be doing most of the guitar writing, even though John, Mike did write like two songs. Um, Right. uh, But it's, it's something that we've never done before. And I know when I first mentioned it in an interview, that I was gonna write a content record. I By the time I was done with the interview, I was freaking out. Like, dude, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you never wrote a content <laughs> in your life. And so, but so there was some fear, like a good fear, a healthy fear. I'm like, all right, I said I'm gonna do this. I put it out there. I have to follow through. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I, I I said it. You know what I mean? So um, so yeah, there was some apprehension, but eventually, as the story started to develop and I started to pitch it more, and it started to come together, Uh, they started to, um, especially Don, started to um, get on board uh, a lot more.
3: Okay, and I guess for a lot of people, too, thinking that you guys were going to do a a concept album, a lot of people probably don't realize that concept albums have been tried in so many different ways and so many different genres. I mean, Mm -hmm. people think back to maybe prog bands or whatnot, Mm but even Prince did sign of the time, which is really one concept album from beginning to end. So it isn't mm-hmm. all that far of anyone's realm or, or mm-hmm. any genre to mm-hmm. really take that on. And, and as you're saying, talk about current themes, just building them around different characters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And like, that, and that's one of the, that's what I want to do I'm my mind. It's um, I love writing. I love telling stories and uh, I am like, Oh, what, you know, let's, can you know, let's see if Candiria can do it, and um, yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you no, know, it's done before. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you know what, no, so let me uh, let me give it a shot. And um, I'm looking forward to see how uh, how, how, I guess, how people just react to it, how fans react to it.
3: Okay, is um, there any thought on the band's behalf to do the the album at any point in time from beginning to end?
1: Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and that's the that's the best part about doing a concept album. At the end of the uh, <laughs> at the end of the touring cycle. Uh once, you know, whatever, uh we we spoke about uh either most likely New York, uh there might be other places as well, but to just do the record from beginning from beginning to end. You know, and I'm really looking forward to that because uh, as we're touring, um will start to develop. Uh, I know I know me personally, uh, we can start thinking of ideas how to really enhance the show, you know, uh, with uh, intros, outros, soundscapes, or whatever, just to make it an experience. So I'll start planning that right. out now.
3: <laughs> very cool. I'm, I'm sure that will be a, a very unique show to go see once it's all yeah. sort of fleshed out and everything, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Actually, one of the things that unfortunately has been in the news been all over social media and everything has been all the violence, all the Mm -hmm. deaths that have happened, all the shootings over the, you know, course of the last few years, obviously it's much more prevalent now because of social media and Mm -hmm. something like Ferguson fueled, um, some of the lyrics on the album Mm -hmm. to me, growing up in a multi-ethnic, uh, town in Northern New Jersey, it's hard for me to sort of sit back and look at social media and see comments from people because I always grew up thinking as everyone is equals. Mm -hmm. Um, I had friends that were black, Hispanic, Latino, white, so on and so forth. So I really can't fathom, you know, what some people are thinking about and how easy it is for some people just to take a life.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, just something so sacred per se. Mm -hmm. Um, so many people are outraged with what, for example, athletes are doing and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, protesting the anthem, protesting different things. But really, society is really screwed up at the at this moment where they don't realize why these people are protesting. If people are just taking one side of things, it's a multifaceted thing that's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. You know, it's it, it, it's a deep issue. It's a deep running issue that's been going on for for years and think with um it's all bubbling up to the surface right now you know uh, everyone has a cell phone with a camera on it and i know that certain some some situations aren't cut and dry that i know for sure but one thing we do know for sure is like um if someone is unarmed you shouldn't be shooting at them right and uh and and on the flip side if if a cop tells you to stop and you point the gun at him then you gotta expect to have the consequences right um, like you, you 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 run you run the you run the- especially if you know like uh, the issues that run in the community in the communities uh, in those communities you know african american with, with officers right so it's like you you it, so to me it's like so to me it's i'm kind of just sick I'm kind of sick of it. Yeah, you know, it's like, I'm just kind of, it's, it's just, um, it's kind of, it's just pretty disgusting to see. And even like, uh, just see uh, what some of the, uh, what, what comes out of people's mouths, uh, these days, uh, it just, uh, you, you, you start to get an idea of how black some people's hearts are and what I, uh, in regards to like darkness. I'm like, dude, like, really, you going to say that? <laughs> that's what you're going to say, you know? And so, um, it, it so when I saw Ferguson on on uh when I saw Ferguson on T V, like uh, I looked at it from from uh from a reporter's point of view. I'm just gonna look at it and just be inspired by it, uh, in regards to what I'm seeing. Right. Um and so I took that even though the song itself isn't about that, I took that moment and turned it into a story of that that's connected with I guess I I fit it into the story. So there are some elements in there that, that you could tell that I was inspired by. But I'm like, all right, here's this thing. Uh, I'm gonna bring the story. To art imitating life, so to speak. Right. And um and uh, and I just wanted to put it in there. But like I just can't believe just like since that time since I've since I've seen that on TV, how many times it's been happening all over and over again. And like I said, mind you i know some instances aren't that cut and dry so just because just because i'm black i'm i'm not gonna you know uh, if the facts are in front of me and it says that um that the person had a gun is waving uh just because i'm black doesn't mean i'm automatically just going to just disprove the facts yeah, i'm not going to do that i'm a pretty i like to look at facts okay and, and so um in regards to situations uh like that but like i said it, it's it's just getting very, very ugly, even in regards to, in regards to like, the rioting. I go, look, well, that's not making things anything easier. If anything, like, you're, 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 you're fueling, and I, and I absolutely understand. I understand why there's outrage, right? I absolutely understand it. As someone who's been through, like, a lot of racism like himself, I absolutely uh, understand it. I like you but I'm I'm more I'm more Martin Luther King than Malcolm X. <laughs> so it's like I so so I'm just saying that's that's how I am, right? And so I know in some people's eyes, um like you're for the people out there, uh it, it kind of fuels the fire you see, this is why it happened. So it, it it's such a complex situation. It, it it's it's hard to even um sometimes hard to even putting it into words. I'm like, I'm just dumbfounded. I'm like, I cannot believe
3: what's going on right now. Yeah. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: my, my last point on the subject, yeah. um, what to me is sort of disturbing is you have what took place in, in Linden, New Jersey the other day with the terrorist yeah. where they took him down without needing to kill him. Yeah. But there are all these other instances of, as you're saying, unarmed people that are just, yeah being gunned yeah. down I mean is
1: that's crazy I, well, <laughs>
3: yeah well, I mean where, where's the disconnect you know
1: <laughs> the, the, well it,
3: well what the hell, I
1: mean
3: it's oh it's just uh,
1: it seems to be oh and I never went it got quieted a bit but I mean there's a lot of racism in, in this country yeah you know, or just or and like some of it some of it's, um, some of it's hidden People, and and, right. and that's both both race black and white you know what i mean it's yeah. like there's just a lot of just racism practice in this country and and it's, it's like i said it's one of those things where like i said every situation is different but like i'm i'm just disgusted with any type of racism like or, or, or altogether and especially in a situation where someone loses uh loses their life black or white it just yeah. sickens me. This is the crazy world we live in. And the, thing is, and the thing is, I'm not doom and gloom. It's just, I'm like, all right, this is what's happening right now. You
3: know. Yeah. Well, you're being a realist uh, yeah. about things. I mean, yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. We sort of mentioned before we started the conversation that I spent 30 years of my life growing up in the New York metropolitan area. One of the things that I listened to all the time was WSOU, yeah. who was the station that introduced me to. Kandiria and was uh, there a station that obviously has always pushed local bands to the forefront what has that station meant to the band over the years
1: are you kidding me like i told you like i, I was just uh uh you know i'm back and forth right now uh and uh, um uh, F, FOU, i remember being young like being young and falling asleep with my um with my my headphones in my ears blasting SOU, phones asleep phone to up to it so to, to me personally, and I know there's a lot of satellite radio. Satellite radio is a thing now, whatever the case may be. But like, to me, like SOU will always be the um I guess the radio station that I identify with always. And like um I, it's home. They've supported Kander for so many years, and like they've um, even when we weren't active. And like uh, I, I will um, I feel personally, me personally, like. Uh, yeah i i feel like i'll always be in debt to, to, to that radio station you know and like uh yeah it's uh in fact you know uh Jen sent me like uh w s e o hoodie shirt hat i'm like yeah, I'm not, like i'm like man' wearing all three right now <laughs> you know i'm like wearing everything i like i love it you know i i just i just love i love that radio station and and like uh and and will do my best to give them a shout out support from, um, whenever i can
3: Awesome. And obviously, the whole New York metro area has been behind you guys for a very long time. If not, you wouldn't be planning special shows yeah. like the one that you just talked about for New York, or you guys wouldn't have done your first show last year uh, mm-hmm. anywhere else outside of New York. What has made New York so special to you guys? What is the one pinpoint or the biggest influence that New York has been on Candiria?
1: To me, the different cultures. You know, this is something I, I say all the time. But other, in order to uh, see the world, um a lot of people they have to fly to places, whatever. When you live in New York, all well, you have to do is step out your door. The entire <laughs> right. the, the entire world is here. And you could walk right. a few blocks and end up in Chinatown, Little Italy. Like yeah, it, it, the entire world lives uh, in New York, and I really feel that. And the, and the food, and just the, the the amount of people that you meet, like just the the diversity. And whether you agree or don't agree, whatever. It's like, hey man, how you doing? You know, New York is known for it, known for its diversity, and uh, um, and that's one of the things I love about it uh, the most. It's greediness you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, when Frank Sinatra said, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Like, you know, he wasn't kidding. You know, I mean, it's a tough place, you know, to, um, just to kind of just kind of branch out and like, and stick out because there's just so many different options here. So when you can put your head above the crowd here, you've known that you've really accomplished something, that you um, rise to the cream of the crop, so to speak, and, uh, um, and really stood out and I just love this place. You know, every place I you know, I, you know, I love Japan. I love LA. I love Germany. Love Berlin, um, and all that stuff. But, but there's something about coming home that just does something to me. Yeah, you know, and the support that we get here.
3: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And where do you want people to go to keep up with Candiria?
1: uh Facebook dot com slash Candiria, uh, and just uh, you you can find uh, in in our Instagram account. Yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. And as far as uh, picking the album up once it does come out, uh, any preference on where you want people to buy it, or you don't care as long as they buy it? <laughs>
1: oh, well, well, I would prefer if they bought the physical copy because, right. like, the the artwork is just uh, really complements the story. So, uh, and we have vinyl as well, but I would say pick up a CD. I know streaming's cool. I love streaming as well, and buying a CD's cool, but. Um, you know, I remember the, the days of going out and, let's say, buying, let's say, Metallica, Iron Maiden, Rick, or whatever, and just like holding the art in your hands. You know, right? So uh, I would, I would really love if fans or people just fans of metal, just in general, go out there and buy the physical copy, and really just look at the artwork, and and you know, it's an experience. You know, <laughs> it's part to me. It's part of the experience. So that's uh that's what I'd like for them to do. Hey, this is Carly Comer from Canderia and you're listening to Mars Attacks. <laughs>
0: We we've had no leap treasure. So you can keep your rings. So say it's not at all. Need you to put them wrong. My number my number can you hear me? Since don't change for the game, I still going to ride my still
2: while they were sleeping, it is Mireya Mireya, pronouncing it in Spanish see if I can pronounce it better Maria. Um cool album, I really, really enjoyed it uh, I, I mean, if you're a fan of the band you know the diversity that they bring to the table so, you get a little bit of of everything there you know, post-hardcore or, or whatnot, metal and jazz and whatever else in between, so I I Appreciate it anyway. Want to thank Carly Coma for coming on the show. Also want to thank John Freeman for setting everything up uh, for that. John is always great with me. So, you know, shout out to him or or however you want to say it. In any event, we're going to leave you with another sound sample. This is the title track, While They Were Sleeping, uh, Bye. Candiria, thanks to everyone for listening and hope you come back and check us out next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. See ya! i are listening
0: to the Mars Attacks Podcast. This concludes our show.